Thanks for listening to another Troncast with me, Tron Jordheim. Glad you could listen. Hope you enjoy these. I kind of have fun doing them. And one of the things I have a lot of fun with is uh, turns of language and funny sayings that people use. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit on this episode of the podcast because uh, telling stories and painting visual pictures is really what sets humans apart from all other creatures. Um, I mean, maybe when your dog is whining at you, he's trying to tell you a story, but I'm not sure it's a very long story or a very involved story. Uh, And, you know, maybe dolphins and whales tell long stories. I don't really understand dolphin or whale very well, but they may tell some pretty long stories. Uh, But humans are fabulous at telling stories. And a lot of the things that make a story work so well is the way people use phrases and sayings and things like that to evoke responses, to stimulate memories, to create uh, associations with other things. And it's really fun to, to hear how people use those allusions, uh, associations, and so on in their speaking. And you know who's really good at doing that? Of course, storytellers are great at doing that, and people who uh, write stories and tell stories. Uh, Comedians are great at doing that because in order to set up uh, a punchline or to get a laugh, they kind of have to build the right visuals and the right expectations and the right associations. And some people are just wonderful at that. And you know who is also really good at that is uh, salespeople. Salespeople are super good at that because they can build associations around their products and offerings that, one, help you really understand what they're talking about and how it fits in with your needs and your desires and how you can picture yourself using it and enjoying it and having some pride in it and that sort of thing. A good customer service agents are also wonderful at using uh, turns of phrases or uh, sayings to help calm people down when those people are angry or to help people relax when they're nervous because with all the automation going on, it's rare that you actually get to talk to a real person. Usually you're yelling at a uh, automated system trying to get its voice recognition to to recognize what it is you want them to recognize so you can get something done or you're tapping on buttons or clicking things trying to get to where you need to be and all of that is so annoying because so many of the automated systems have uh, inelegant user experiences and often do not have a good workflow built for your particular situation so by the time you actually talk to a real person sometimes you're really annoyed and to be able to talk to a customer service rep who can paint the right pictures with their language to help you relax 
and then be able to build some associations that make you feel like you're going to actually get a resolution that is going to work for you, that takes a lot of skill and a lot of training. And I'm not sure many companies do that. I think most companies just give you a little script and, uh, you know, you get what you get. And some individual uh, call center reps or customer service reps for either their own self-survival or because they're very uh, empathetic or, or tuned in to people they talk to, develop their own style of using language and, and uh, visuals and stories to help calm people down and help move people to a good resolution. Uh, it's really great to hear it when it happens. It doesn't happen all the time, but it is good to hear. So if you're some kind of supervisor or manager or owner, uh, I would encourage you to listen to the customers more than you're listening to your employees when you're doing any kind of quality control on audio interactions or whatever. You want to hear the responses that your customer has and the things your customer says more than what you want to hear from your employee. Anyway, that's a whole other scenario and a whole other way of talking about things and looking at things, but it all comes back to how the language you use stimulates thought or stimulates visuals or creates associations for the person doing the listening. Anyway, that's a whole long setup for one of my favorite topics which is old sayings and how they got to be and what they actually mean. And after this break for some sponsors, I'll explore one of my favorites. So hang around if you have a few minutes, please. And uh, thanks for listening to the Troncast. One of the reasons I think language is a lot of fun is uh, I grew up in a trilingual household. Um, I can't say I became much of an expert on the other languages in my household, but my dad grew up in Norway, spoke Norwegian and German. My mom grew up in Germany, lived with my dad in Norway for a while, so she spoke Norwegian and German. And uh, like many kids of immigrants who had many languages going on in their house, I didn't really notice it too much. But as you think about it later in life, you realize that, uh, you know, about 15% of what we said was in Norwegian and about 15% was in German and the rest was in English. And you just kind of picked whatever word from whichever language best described what you were trying to talk about and in you know any language you have certain words that become your favorites and there's really not a great English word for it or maybe it's just more fun to say or or it's a great onomatopoeia or something like that and so that's just kind of what you do and uh, so you just live like that and any kind of sentence you're doing you may throw in a couple words from some other language and it's kind of fun but it does make you think about 
how languages are different than each other. So just a, a really quick sort of example. Uh, like when things go badly, in English you might say, man, everything just fell apart. Okay, but in German, if things go badly, you might say, es fehlt alles zusammen, which means it all fell in on itself, it collapsed, right? So it's a very different visual. Things falling apart, you picture everything scattering all over the place. When you say it fell in on itself, you picture like a building collapse and flattening, right? So, okay, maybe I'm just being a silly language geek, but when you look at those two different visuals, it's two very different pictures of how something went wrong, right? And there's a thousand examples like that of the way uh, one language might look at something a little bit differently uh, I have some pretty body raunchy examples I could use, but I won't do that. I'll save us all the embarrassment for that. But you have the same thing in English, because English is... One of the reasons why English is a fascinating language is because it's made up of so many other languages, right? There's a lot of old Germanic. There's a lot of uh, old French. There's a lot of Latin stuff. I mean, all kinds of mishmash. And I'm sure I'm missing something, because... Even though I'm a language fan, I'm no linguistic person. I'm no linguist, excuse me. But in English, you have lots of different ways of saying things, which allows you to paint different pictures and make different sort of connotations, which makes it really interesting to choose your words carefully. So that's why I'm going to talk about in a little while how some of these old sayings we use are really entertaining. And stay tuned, I've got another word from a sponsor, and then I'll, I'll get to my, one of my favorite old sayings, and hopefully it gets a chuckle out of, out of you as well. So, thanks for being here for the TronCast. You know I love to tell a long story, especially about language and culture and society and blah, that's a lot of topics right there one of the things I love is old sayings and how it is those old sayings came to be and what the heck they actually mean like you know when you tell somebody oh boy we're sure in a pickle what the heck what the heck does that mean and how did that even get to be I don't want to talk about that one in particular but that's a funny one uh, one of the ones I want to talk about is uh, a wonderful insult that you can use when you're dealing with somebody who thinks they're some kind of tough guy and they're pushing their weight around and being a bully and being obnoxious and trying to intimidate you. Huh, does that ever happen to any of you? Oh, of course it does got bullies running things all over the place and people who think they can get their way by puffing their chest and talking loud and uh, saying stupid stuff, right? Because everybody wants to be a gangster, but a lot of these folks are just lousy pranksters. So there's a wonderful old saying you can use the next time somebody does that that comes from 
Brooklyn from way back in the days. So what you can tell somebody is you could tell them, I'm not listening to you. We used to use jokers like you for second base. What the heck does that mean? Well, you see, one of the uh, ways of establishing hierarchy on your block back in the 50s and 40s and 60s and 70s, before there was internet and before there was air conditioning, before air conditioning and before internet, you had to be outside in the street playing or you would die from heat exhaustion if you were up in your apartment or in your house until late in the evening or early, early in the morning when things cooled off a little bit and you could go back inside during the summer. So we played a lot of stickball in the street. And so the way you set up your bases when you're playing stickball is you'll take one sewer cover or manhole cover as home plate and then you pick a couple parked cars as first base and third base so you have a really stretched diamond when you're playing stickball in the street because it's a long field and uh, second base is way out there and sometimes you could use a, a sewer cover or a manhole cover as second base but a lot of times we would use a kid as second base um, the uh, higher kids in the pack so the alpha and several below always got to play because when it was time to choose sides you know you could always get in a game if you were one of the you know top 50 percent kids on the block for uh, reputation for toughness for uh, how much of a smart aleck mouth you had or how good you were at fighting and it also of course helped if you were good at stickball and you would get picked early but if you were a little kid or you didn't have much skill yet or you didn't have much reputation or you weren't a tough guy uh, sometimes uh, we just make you be second base you'd go stand out there in the middle of the street and we'd have to tap you while we were running bases and you were second base you didn't get to field any balls or play the game you just got to stand there and a lot of times we'd slap you in the head as we rounded second base but you know it was a it was a gesture of camaraderie and affection uh, to get slapped in the head when you were the kid who was second base so anyway that's where that saying comes from so the next time someone acts all tough with you and tries to bully you and tries to puff out their chest at you and intimidate you you can smack your lips and shake your head and say you got nothing we used to use kids like you for second base course they won't know what the heck you're talking about but that's half the fun of using old sayings that no one understands anymore and it's pretty hard to figure out what the heck they used to mean at all so anyway have fun with that and thanks for tuning in to the Troncast and allowing me to talk some interesting stuff and sometimes some silly stuff so Thanks for tuning in. And now for a quick break for a word from one of our sponsors. Thanks.